Welcome to the Speaking Light into Abortion podcast, where I talk about all the reasons it's possible for you to thrive after your abortion. I'm your host, Amanda Kingsley, and two years after my own abortion, I certified as a life coach so I could serve women after abortion in all the ways they've been deserving and lacking for centuries. Consider this your launchpad for finding strength and community in yourselves and in each other. <sighs> Podcasting. Uh, this is a welcome back podcast. Sarah, I don't remember what episode you were. I'm sure you don't remember either, but it was part of that really fun series I did. Wasn't it? The master coach series. Oh, it was. Yeah. (laughs) That was a fun series. I think that was at least a year and a half ago. Um, So Sarah Yost is here with us again. She's a fellow coach, a fellow feeler, a fellow mover and shaker. Um, we've been in the same orbit for a couple of years now, but like something happened recently in our, in our connecting in the socials Mm -hmm. where I was like, it's time for you to come back. Are you ready? (laughs) So here you are, you're back. We're going to have too many things to talk about for the amount of time that we have. Um, but why don't you reintroduce yourself to the audience? Cause you are, you know, every day we're new new version of ourselves, but you are a new and different Sarah than you were the last time you were on. So let's, let's hear about it. Okay. So my name is Sarah Yost. I'm a master certified life coach and I, I do a technique called emotional reprocessing therapy. And Mm. what I do is I help people dissolve anxiety completely, Mm. particularly anxiety around rejection. I am not, um, (laughs) I'm kind of an anxiety slut. I'll help you with all the things and can, but rejection I am particularly obsessed with right now. Yeah. Oh, I literally, like literally have no idea what we talked about last time and I should have looked before, but rejection is so much of what we feel in this abortion space is like, not, we feel it from, actually, now that I say it, like we feel it from two angles too. There's the angle of a lot of us are, you know, and I'm saying us as like the collective, all the peoples I talk to, not, mm-hmm. so it, this doesn't all apply to me, but like a lot of us feel rejected by our partners yep. and choose abortion, feel rejected by our circumstances, mm-hmm. like whatever they are, like we feel defeated in our lives. Like I can't bring another baby into the world, even though I want to, um, we, we reject ourselves. We feel rejected by our religion. We feel rejected by our politicians, like by our care providers. Like a lot of times someone will even go to their care provider saying, I, ha- I, I don't think I can keep this pregnancy or want to keep this pregnancy. And they're sent somewhere else, right? Like they're sent to a whole nother clinic. So there's like, none of it is, um, none of it is like all wrong, right. Or wrong, or it's just, it's just messy. And I think people talk a lot about like the layered effect of grief, right? You like have one thing you're grieving and then you stack on another thing you're grieving another thing. And I think that's definitely present with rejection in abortion. And 
super relevant to right now because we are recording in the tender time post row. And so all of that can feel like rejection when you're seeing the media talk about abortion. Like, yeah. So yeah, so much to unpack here. Um, Where do you want to start in offering our audience some like nourishment around how they can listen and process some of this? What's what's the place we want to start today? (laughs) So, so the approach that I always take when I'm coaching and I'd like to take it today too, is I just want to show, show you and show your listeners some things that, um, that I've observed collectively. Mm-hmm. And as I show you these things, I want you to just consider how much of these feel true to you. Mm-hmm. Nothing that I'm saying is, um, none of this is like, this is the right way to experience it. What I want to show you is the way that people experience rejection and what happens from that. And so just think of this as like workshopping your own experience. As Hmm. you hear me say, like, here's the thing that I'm noticing. I want you to take it in and go, oh, that is true for me. Or, oh, that's not quite true for me. But what is actually true for me is this. Mm -hmm. So this isn't, um, I just feel really like this is not about I'm right or you're wrong. This is about, can I help you make sense of what is happening inside of you so that you can work with your own experience a little bit? Yeah. Can I add one more layer to that? Cause I think there's yeah. also, oh, that was true for me. And now hearing Sarah say it, I have no idea what you're about to say, but that was true for me. <laughs> and now hearing Sarah say it, I can see how I actually did move through that. Like like I, I grew yeah. in ways that that doesn't trigger me or whatever yeah. words we want to use, right? Like yeah. that I can see now having heard her say it, that I actually can celebrate myself for having yeah. moved through that. Anyway, there's yeah my little addition. I, I, I'm so ready to just listen to your wisdom and probably interrupt because that's what I do. Okay. Well, and the other piece, you know, that, that I want to add to this that I think is really important is this isn't a separate topic, but, but just, you know, consider it all together is, um, rejection is actually a trauma point. So I'm really talking about trauma. And when I'm talking about trauma, what I'm talking about is stored energy. Mm -hmm. Trauma sometimes happens with an event and with abortion, of course, that's a a specific event that is very traumatizing for a lot of reasons, but often trauma is also collective experience of being rejected. Yeah. And, um, and so for sure, if you have experienced abortion, either yourself or around you, you have experienced trauma around that. I just guarantee Mm -hmm. that there is stored energy inside of you. And That is just really good to know because when your trauma button is um, pressed, everything becomes distorted in your head. And so if you can think about your experience through that lens, it might just make sense of why sometimes you feel really healed and sometimes you really don't. Mm. And what I'm seeing with nearly all of my clients 
is that the current, <clears throat> the current landscape, the overturn of Roe v. Wade is opening those buttons and people aren't realizing it, especially people that have done a lot of healing. They don't, they're not able to easily see the connection until we start talking. And I'm talking about a man whose partner, um, you know, had an abortion 30 mm -hmm. years ago mm -hmm. and he's remembering all of the things around there. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about a woman who watched a 14 year old classmate who was um, assaulted by an adult, have an abortion and then be shamed by everybody around her. And this woman is grappling with that. I'm talking about somebody who is reminded specifically that her healthcare providers never listen to her. And it's not even about an abortion exactly. It's about not being listened to or valued or considered in the healthcare system. I'm talking about every single person that I'm talking to is hitting on some of those raw buttons. And so it's really, really important as we navigate the news that we're able to separate our current and present anger mm -hmm. from something that happened 20 years ago that feels like it happened today. And when we lift mm -hmm. it all up, it's incredibly overwhelming. And so we need to separate this. Like it's one thing to address um, the Supreme Court and it's another thing, or you know, your local or whatever, all, this, all the ways that we can take action. It's one thing to do that and to resolve your childhood trauma. We can't fix your childhood trauma or your 25 years ago trauma with the Supreme Court, they're separate issues. Yeah. And so we need to work with them yeah. separately. Mm. Mm. I think the, uh, some words that you said are so important is like it, um, when it feels like it happened today. Of course. Can you speak to that? Like why can something that we thought we healed through or we thought we pushed away <laughs> or we thought we, yeah. like why can it feel so much like it's happening again. Like how, how does trauma work like that? That all of a sudden it's like you're back in it. That's such a good question. And I think understanding the nature of trauma, just period would really help when you're grappling with abortion or rejection or anything else. Yeah. Cause it's like, wait, I was super functional and fine five minutes ago. And now listen, I don't know about you, Amanda, this is like a little bit of an aside, but you haven't lived until you've had like a super badass experience in business out in the world. And then like an hour later, laying on the bathroom floor, sobbing and begging for a man to like, come back and give you his attention. That yeah. is such a common experience. Yeah. <laughs> How is that possible that a super badass woman or man, yeah. usually, usually woman in this case, can be super functional and competent yeah, and then yeah, literally yeah. fetal position. Yeah. Keening because you're being left. That's the power of the rejection trauma. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So your question is what the fuck is that? Am I allowed to cuss? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry. Your question I giggle what? as if, of course, but yeah, okay. <laughs> please, please all the words. Okay. Um, um, how do I want to answer that? So what happens is, is that energy gets stored in your body. Mm -hmm. 
And then something happens that reminds you. And then it's all right there. And it's almost like, here's how I think about trauma. And here's how I specifically think about rejection. And this may help. So I think about there are rooms inside of us. And there is like a hallway that leads, let's just talk about rejection specifically. There's a hallway that leads there. And another word for what happens in the hallway is context or triggers. There are things mm-hmm. that, that make you more likely to be, to have like a trauma point hit. Mm. Okay. Those things happen in the hallway. And then there's a door. I, my vision right now is that like you're walking down the hallway and then some yep. trigger happens and some arm yep. reaches out of a door and yep. pulls you in. <laughs> That's it. That, you know what? That's it. Then there's a door. Then there's a door and the door has rejection written on it. Wow. Now, once you go through that door, once you go through that door, what happens in that door is you perceive rejection. Now, yeah. not everybody who's listening, I want to be clear thinks of rejection in the words rejection it also is i'm afraid they're going to talk about me Mm -hmm. it's disconnection it's um attachment uh anxious attachment that's all rejection it's disconnection it's they don't care about me these are all phrases that people use which are descriptors for the experience of rejection or disconnection or abandonment that's Mm -hmm. the same thing Mm -hmm. okay so we go through the door marked rejection and then on the other side of that door is a hellscape. It's like a house of horrors. It's like the upside down place. It's Mm -hmm. like, it looks like your life and it looks like your brain, especially Mm -hmm. because it's very familiar. You've been there so many times, but once you're in everything that happens in there is false. It's all distorted. And here's what happens in that room. And it doesn't happen on the other side of the door. It's very clear when the trauma is opened, we have so many cognitive distortions. We beat ourselves up. We look for blame. We blame ourselves. Mm-hmm. We blame our healthcare provider. We blame our partner. We blame our parents for making us have an abortion. We blame, I talked to somebody who had a forced abortion. God damn it. Duh. We blame them. We blame, you know, we're looking for blame, but blame doesn't happen outside that room. It only happens in the house of horrors. And the reason we do it is because if we can find the blame, we can fix it. And then we never have to feel this way again. Yes. We never have to go in this room again. So why does it feel like, because it's like a tripwire. It's like, it's like a tripwire. And then we're in the house of horrors and we're in the same distortion field that we've been in a million times before. Mm -hmm. Is there ever a place where we don't have, we don't get swept into the room or we don't have the triggers or is what really happens more that we just become more skilled at like bringing ourselves back out. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know I mean? I work, am I making sense? Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> yeah. So, so I work with this in two fronts. One is, um, shortening the distance between, yeah, um, like, like how long you're in the room and how yeah. much damage you inflict on yourself and others when you're in the room. Yes. So yes, we can work oh, with ourselves good. once we're activated once we're in the room but we can also work to change this our sensitivity to that room our sensitivity to that trigger but the thing is is the nature of rejection is that for all humans male 
female, um, big feelers, little feelers, for all humans, the experience of rejection is like pain, which is why we have a collective language around it, which is heartbreak, stabbed in the back, eviscerated, mm. gutted. They've done fMRIs on people experiencing heartbreak, which is akin to rejection. And it lights up the exact same parts of the brain as pain. And so we experience it as pain. And so there are some of us who are very sensitive to the perception of rejection and some of us who are much less sensitive to it. But there is not a human who experiences rejection without craziness. (laughs) It's just some of us do it like daily and some of us do it like once every five years and don't know what the hell happened. And some of us only have it when we break up with somebody. It's like, so yes, you can totally make it so that you're not so sensitive to it. Yeah. And you can make it. So there's one piece, which is like awareness, observation, paying attention, understanding, dissecting Mm -hmm. like patterns. Like there's like the seeing it part. Yeah. For lack of a better word. Right. Once you help clients see it yes what are some like what's a tool so um okay let's say a listener is able to go like this afternoon they they listen and then within a certain amount of time they're like oh I'm doing that thing where I feel rejected and I'm experiencing pain I'm beating myself up or whatever it is yeah so they can see they're in this things yes. that we're talking about yeah what's a tool or two they get could out. try get out of the room. in that moment to be like okay I see it now what because yeah. sometimes that's even scarier you're like well I liked when I just pretended it wasn't a thing and I was just reacting and b- blaming or whatever but now I yeah. can see what's really happening what do I do yeah so um so if you can think of it in these terms of it's, it's really binary terms. I'm in the room or I'm out of the room, totally. which is not, it's not the full truth, but it is a really, it really helps to think of it like that. Yeah. Like I'm in the room, out of the room. So what's really happening is rejection seems like danger. So your nervous system is going danger, danger, danger. And that makes sense because rejection actually does mean danger. We actually do die if we're rejected. Yeah that was true as children. And it's also even true as adults. If we are fully rejected and have no connection, we'll actually die. There's that's the science. This is not made up. This is not, this is not soft. This is the science. Okay. There is real danger of death on the other side of rejection. Now, am am I going to die today because my partner rejected me? Like, no, but making that long-term connection is, is real. Okay. So what's happening is your nervous system is totally activated. And so then you can just deactivate your nervous system with some basic nervous system activities like, like, and, and really recognizing like, oh, I think I'm activated. Oh, I think this is that thing that that lady was talking about. This feels familiar. Maybe this is my nervous system and it's not real. Feels really real. Feels awful, but maybe it's not. Okay. Okay. Then just some basic things to get your brain back online. So taking a walk, if you can Mm -hmm. moving your head side to side without stretching, 
don't stretch when you're activated yeah. because that is oh. actually dangerous to your system. No so way. just like gently moving your head side to side. Okay. And then, and, and one of the reasons why it's helpful to move your head side to side. Okay. And you can also, I like to do eyeball yoga. So I like to like, you know, you look up and then you look all around with your eyeballs uh-huh. without moving your head. Yeah. The reason why those two things are helpful is because when you get very activated, your field of vision narrows. And so if you can just literally widen mm. your field of vision, mm-hmm. you are sending a message to your nervous system that maybe you're not in danger. Yeah. So just like, it's like these physical things to show your system that you're not in danger. I like to do the breaststroke. I call it my patented breaststroke move. So you literally, <laughs> you sit there and you just like move your arms. And then if you can say to yourself, look, you can take up space. It's yeah. actually safe to move because when you're super activated, it literally feels like you can't move. And so if That's you can so break good. that freeze with just turning your head. Now I want to be clear that turning your head, taking a breath, rolling your eyeballs around and doing the breaststroke do not solve this problem. Yes. I want to like, for a long time, I would hear people talk about this shit, like take a breath. And I'd be like, maybe you didn't hear me the first time. This is a big problem. And taking a breath is a little bit lightweight for what we're dealing with. And I want to assure you and your listeners that I know that I am not dismissing how big and complex and hairy this is. What I'm suggesting is, is that if you can show your system that it is safe to move, then your brain slowly starts to come back online. And the only project is to get yourself back online and back to center and back to get out of the room. That's all we're doing. You're only doing the breaststroke to get out of the room. Mm -hmm. And then once you're out of the room, then we can analyze and think and fix and problem solve. And we can even mm-hmm. assign blame if we want to, because that's part of setting boundaries. Like, mm-hmm. you know what, this motherfucker kind of like does this to me and puts me in the room yeah. and like every day, and maybe I need to do something about like, yes. we can, we can do all of that cognitive work, but we don't do the cognitive work when we're in the room. We breaststroke yes. to get out of the room. <laughs> and yes. then we, so I want to be clear. Yeah. These activities, and there are a million other activities. Those are some of my favorites. Widen your field it. of vision. move your arms but the only thing is just get out of the room that's all we're doing we're not fixing any problems that you find in there Mm. so good so (sighs) so good um okay well I first I have to tell you when you started talking about you you use the word like it's a little binary it's like you're either activated or you're not activated here's Mm. what I saw so I'm gonna give you my Good that vision that I saw. Good, good. You know those light switches that have like the little on off button on the bottom, but then they have the dimmer. Oh, I just got chills. I love it. Right. So like the activation, yes, it is kind of on or off, but then the dimmer is like where we're yeah. talking about the nuance of it. And like, yeah, can you turn it on or off at any brightness? Yes. But like also like that dimmer is like the nervous system part of it. Yeah. So that, that's what I saw. (laughs) That's so good because it's true. It's like, and I think of it, you know, the visual that I use with the room analogy is like the closer to the door you are, the easier it is to see that you're activated, to see that it's distorted, to see 
you know, to have two minds going, one is kind of logical, like, I think maybe I'm freaking out and this isn't real, you know, it's like, but then the deeper you get in the room, it's like, no, for sure. It's all real. It's all (laughs) fucked. I'm fucked. I thought I was fine. I was completely wrong. I have to reevaluate my entire life, all of my relationships. It's like, I did that last weekend. (laughs) I had a completely fucked 24 hours. Totally. (laughs) Um, okay, wait, you're, you're reminding me I had another vision when you were talking, which was um, when you were ta- talking about the hallway and the new, the rooms analogy. Yeah. Um, I was imagining like sometimes when you know you're going to walk through that same hallway again, you yeah. can hold a friend's hand when you yes. walk by that door. Right. Sometimes that friend's not going to be there and you have to walk by the door on your own and you might get sucked in. Yeah. But like, sometimes you can be like, oh, the door is coming. I'm going to bring a friend with me to walk by it. That's it. Or I'm going to like yeah. turn my body when I walk by it. Or like just that yeah. kind of, and no, you can't always bring a friend. You can't always mm-hmm. change the way you move, move past it. But sometimes you can't. Sometimes. Right. Yeah. And the more experience you have with even getting completely upside down, and getting yourself out, the more, the less scary it is. Cause it's yeah. like, okay, maybe I can't keep this from happening, but actually I know that I'm not going to like completely lose my shit forever. And yes. then it's less scary. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's, that's totally true. Like there's, it's like the trick. So like one of the things that probably happens in the room is watching the news. Like that's probably a trigger. A um, you know, that's a one that invites a me to, one feel terrible. And sometimes maybe I want to do it. So how can I do that in a way that feels less dangerous? You know? Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Can I change direction a little bit or is there anything more? Let's go wherever you want to go. Where do you want to go? Okay. Because I realized earlier when you, uh, when you started talking and I heard the word rejection, I was like, Oh, there's multiple layers of rejection in this abortion conversation. And the one that I didn't mention earlier that I think I'm really curious to get your take on is that there's the side of rejection where we feel rejected. Mm -hmm. There's also in this conversation, the side of rejection where we rejected, we rejected that baby, (laughs) right? We rejected that pregnancy. We rejected for some people, God's plan we rejected right so there's the flip side of that what are your thoughts when you think about that side of rejection because a lot of people are like yeah I'll stop talking you get yeah thanks for bringing that up and and I want to add too like maybe your partner didn't want to abort and you did so then you rejected your partner yes maybe your partner wanted to and you didn't and then you but we're talking about when we're doing the rejection and and for for most people who um, are sensitive to rejection, who have a lot of experience with rejection. Most of those people also prioritize connection and, and that shows up in various ways in their life. And, and so the idea that, that we voluntarily disconnected, we voluntarily cut a baby out of us, we voluntarily ended a relationship, we severed a relationship in that way that's so final. <sighs> So, yeah, thanks for bringing that up because um, 
I was like, oh, maybe Sarah will have something brilliant to say, because I'm not sure that I do right now. I mean, this comes up in my coaching all the time. It's very unique and it's very individual, but it is, yeah, it's, it's a place a lot of people feel like, um, some deep ties, deep ties. So then, you know, one of the most important things to find within yourself when you're working with rejection, whether you're experiencing, um, you know, being on the receiving end or the doing end is there are a couple of concepts and this is, this is also true for this life. Um, and that is that like, what's actually true is that you're actually not rejectable. That's actually not a thing. Mm -hmm. Like what one person does is totally on them. So I want to, I want to talk about this from the perspective of being rejected because it's, it's a little easier to conceptualize for me to talk about, but, but I'm going to bring it back to your question. Yeah. Yeah. I see the circle already. (laughs) Okay. So what's actually true, what's actually true Mm -hmm. fundamentally Mm -hmm. is that you can't be rejected. Even if somebody actually, first of all, usually people don't mean to reject you. They're just like living their life. But let's say they really do. They mean to break up with you or they do say that there's something wrong with you or they do say you're not welcome here because that actually happens sometimes. They still can't actually reject you. What they decide to do or say about you or think about you or believe about you is actually completely contained in their own system and their own experience. And it's actually separate from yours. And so even if somebody thinks that they're rejecting you, you're not actually rejectable, okay? That's fundamentally true. And if that's, and so just take a beat with that for a second. Like, even if you're listening to this, just stop and just think like, could this be true? Like, I know maybe you believe me intellectually, but actually look inside, like, could this be true that when my partner doesn't wanna play a fun game with me, that's actually about them and not about me. Like that's totally them. I go back to the light switch. Yeah. Apparently I like that today is they can say the thing. You're not welcome here. Yes. But we'll use that, that line, right? Like they can say you're not welcome here. Yeah. But they can't activate that switch. Only you can activate that switch. Yeah. And this is why someone can say to me, let's just say like a priest in a very Catholic church says to me, I I don't even know what they say, but let's just say they say it. And then I feel rejected. That's only if I acted like, if they say that to you, you might feel rejected because you're Catholic. If they say that to me, I'm like, okay, had no interest in the church anyway. Like my switch does not get activated. Right. So it's not the words that flip the switch. Right. We are the only ones that can flip the switch. Yes. And then we also have control of that dimmer, how much we feel rejected by it. Yes. Um, But yeah, to remember, no one else can flip that switch but you. Yes. It feels like they can when they say, you're not welcome, never come back here again. I'm never speaking to you again. you're yes. the worst mother ever. Like it feels like they yeah. can flip the switch, but you're the only one who can do it. They're just hitting your raw spots. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, it's such a great analogy because I don't think a Catholic priest would hit any of my raw spots, but if my partner doesn't want to like hear a funny story in the exact moment that I want to tell it, that hits my raw spots. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's totally what I am bringing to the table. I, I am tender around that, but I'm not at all tender around my relationship with the Catholic church. So like, yes. Yeah. Um, and And let me just also add, we want to hang out with people who are tender with our tender spots. It's not their job to mind them, but it's just a lot more fun when we hang out with people who don't activate them all the time. Yes. Yes. So absolutely. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, I can be in this space where I'm exposed to continually abusive language. I'll just maintain my own switch and not let it bother me. It's not that. That's not what we're talking about. (laughs) But but fundamentally, fundamentally, and to go back to your question, fundamentally, you are unrejectable. And so is this life that knocked on your door and said, hey, come play. And that's literally how I, how I have worked with this in, in my experience. So we didn't even say I had an abortion when I was 17. I have personal experience with this. And the way that I think about this is um, there was a life that saw an opening and basically knocked on my door and said, hey, do you want to play? And I was like, hey, I'm a super drug addict and a 17-year-old, no. And that has nothing to do with that life or that energy's value. Like, it's just like so clear to me. Like that energy was like, hey, do you want to play? And I was like, terrible idea. No, thank you. And it has I imagine (laughs) like, I see that life as like, oh, thanks for letting me know. No, I don't (laughs) want to play with with in like in your drug addict like right. nook or whatever you know like I imagine do you want to come to I my have drug kids house? right so I no. imagine the, like in the neighborhood kids come play all the time right. so I imagine that little soul being like oh thanks for telling me and they just skip away and they go to the next house like totally <laughs> they're like, like oh that was whoa. in service thank you for being Christ honest with me yes yes it's like clear boundaries Yes. It's like, and if, if that soul doesn't take it personally and they shouldn't, and we can see that right in this conversation, we can see like, like my saying, no, you can't come play was totally in service of that soul, totally in service of me, totally in service of my future. It was in service of everybody. It was a very good idea. It was a very good choice I made in that place. And, and whoever is listening whether you can get to the, like, maybe you're not there right now where you're like, oh yeah, that was a really good idea that I had an abortion. It's okay if you can't, but if you can just think about this inside yourself, like that soul is unrejectable. So if I rejected it, that's not actually a thing that exists. I just said, no. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I said, no. Yeah. And even if I want to choose to believe that I rejected that soul. That doesn't mean that soul's over there feeling rejected. <laughs> right. That's all like, on it's me. in like pure energy form. It's probably like not activated. It's already moved I on to no. the next neighbor's oh, house or it's waiting its turn. It went home to read a book and it's coming back. I and mean, we have no idea, but it right. is um 
yeah, it's all about how we choose to see and feel and understand the story. And um, yeah, so good. So, 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 so good. Yeah. Um, okay, that was the second thing I wanted to talk about. I don't think I have anything more that feels like burning for me right now. Do you have anything more that feels like it needs to be said in this particular episode? Well, I don't want anybody listening to go, well, I don't deal with rejection. That's not my thing. And so this doesn't apply to me. And so I want to offer that there are other things that act as tripwires. And one of them, which is really common, especially in this arena, is the sense of helplessness. And so inside of you, if there's another hallway and it leads to a door that puts you into a distortion field or a house of horrors, that doorway is helplessness. And if you have any experience of helplessness around your abortion, helpless being restrained on a table, being forced into it, feeling forced into it, feeling like backed into a corner, all of that is kind of around this helplessness. And there are other fears and danger points that may be activated for you. And so please don't take yourself out of this conversation because rejection isn't your main gig. It's yeah. not everybody's main gig. It's kind of my main gig. It's not everybody's. Helplessness is a very common one and there are others too. But what I'm saying about when the danger field is activated, when the trauma point is activated, everything after that is distorted and you just need to get yourself back home. You just need to get yourself back out of the room. That applies regardless of what, yeah. what your door is called what your trauma button is called, okay? Yeah, for another one of my crazy visions, like the, for those of us who are blind, like I'm wearing contacts right now, but I'm Mm -hmm. pretty blind. Yeah, yeah, super like, yeah. (laughs) Super blind. (laughs) Super blind, yeah. Yeah, when you said that, the distorted, like another vision that makes sense to me is like your glasses got knocked off. Yes. And you just got to get them back on before you can, okay, what are we going to do about this? Yeah. But while your glasses are off and you can't even tell what's happening is not the time to problem solve. The only no. problem to solve is how do I get my glasses back on? <laughs> okay. And, you know, to that point, like in between states, like if I can't find a contact lens, then I have to like find some glasses to like find my lost contacts. And then if I can't find my glasses, I don't really wear them that often. Maybe I find the old glasses and I'm like, okay, this isn't perfect, but at least it'll probably, it'll get me out of the room. It'll give me enough vision that I can either find my good glasses, which will make it easier, or I can find a lost contact or I can find the package that or I, I can find a phone number to my coach something. therapist husband partner whatever yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so that's, that's so analogy. good I love that little addition fantastic yeah. um we will what will we link to we will link to the past episode which I do want to say to you people have referenced that episode multiple times hmm. one of the big takeaways was um a point in that episode where you said I realized I didn't do my best and that was healing. So go back and listen to that episode if you just love and are curious about all things Sarah, but where else can people find you um, other than that link? So on Instagram and TikTok, I'm your emotions coach on Facebook. It's my personal page, facebook.com slash Sarah Yost. 
And my website is sarahyost.com and it is generally not updated, but you can go there if you want to. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for being here and sharing yourself with, with the audience again. Um, Thank you. I'm positive that there were nuggets in this episode that will, that will help somebody find another layer of healing. May it be restorative. Thank you for your work, Amanda. I so appreciate you. Thanks for listening. And as always, please consider sharing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. It helps me reach a wider audience and invites more people to thrive after abortion. If you're someone who chose abortion and find yourself struggling, hiding, or wishing you could move beyond your experience, head over to my website and book a free call. We'll talk about how you can start living the life you made your choice for.